live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Tuesday, February the 7th of 2023. As we broadcast live on good old 960 AM WSBT, streaming at WSBTradio.com. Also on our free WSBT radio app. Also a video feed of today's program can be acquired on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. Thanks for dropping by on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We have another full two-hour program tonight. Coming up on tonight's program... We'll try to dissect the Notre Dame football offensive coordinator coaching search with Tommy Reese leaving for Alabama. There's an empty seat at the table, and it's a very important seat. We'll give you the latest coming up in just a couple of moments. Also on the way, our Twitter question of the day, which ties into the offensive coordinator search at Notre Dame. Since it is the State of the Union night for our country at the 540 mark or so, I will offer you my State of the Union of local sports teams. Also on the way, we've got a 6 o'clock hour featuring some Notre Dame hockey conversation. The Irish did not get anything accomplished last weekend. And now if they want to get to where they want to go, they've got the next four games to wrap up the regular season against top 10 teams starting at home against Ohio State Friday and Saturday. We'll have the top five wins of the weekend in our My Five question of the day. And we'll complete this two-hour program with sports wagering talk in our Sizzler segment at the end of the program here on WSBT Radio. I want to start really fast with some weather information our friends at wsbt news 22 they keep us in the loop what's happening weather wise and james Parrish has sent out this information late this afternoon a high wind watch has been issued and will be in effect for the entire area on thursday expect southwest winds 15 to 25 mile per hour with wind gusts 
likely ranging from 45 to 55 miles per hour. Isolated wind gusts up to 60 mile per hour will be possible. Wind gusts this strong could blow away loose items and cause tree damage and power outages. So keep that in mind tomorrow. A high wind watch will be in effect for tomorrow. And it also, I should say that's Thursday, excuse me. I'm thinking today's Wednesday. I apologize. That is for Thursday. And with that forecast on Thursday, we also have 80% chance of rain mainly before noon with a high of 52 degrees. So again, high wind watch in effect for Thursday in our immediate area. All right, let's get going with our hat trick of opening topics. And we start things off with what's happening in Marcus Freeman's office. Well, we truly don't know exactly what's going on, but the focus is finding a brand new offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese has decided to become Tuscaloosa Tommy. He's now the offensive coordinator at Alabama working for Nick Saban. And that gives Marcus Freeman the opportunity to kind of stamp his imprint on what he wants on the offensive side of the football going forward. He can set the tone for the future of the offense. Now, some names are starting to get kicked around. And I'm beginning to think the NFL names are individuals that probably will end up in the NFL or want to stay in the NFL. The guy that really stands out to me from the NFL group that intrigues me is Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach. This guy's got a tremendous resume at the collegiate level. He's a Texas native quarterback at the University of Utah, undefeated Utah team in 08. He was the quarterback. He was so good that he was actually on the cover of the EA Sports 2010 NCAA football game. Now, Johnson is in his second year with the Philadelphia Eagles and give him partial credit for the development of quarterback Jalen Hurts. But what I like about Johnson is what he accomplished at the University of Florida as offensive coordinator. 2018 to 2020, put up some massive numbers at Florida. Kyle Trask was his quarterback in 2020, number one of the FBS in passing offense, 387 yards per game. Seventh in total offense, 509 yards per game. Eighth in scoring offense, 39.8 points per game. Trask completed 68% of his throws for 4,283 yards. 43 touchdown passes, eight interceptions. So Johnson had a great impact at Florida as their offensive coordinator. He was also an OC at the University of Houston in 2017. Mississippi State quarterback coach, which included time with Dak Prescott from 2014 to 2016 and was quarterback coach, offensive coordinator at Utah in 12 and 13. Johnson's an intriguing guy, but based on what you hear from the NFL front, this is a guy that is probably trending toward 
getting that opportunity to be an offensive coordinator, if not this offseason, very, very soon after. In fact, the Eagles' offensive coordinator is a leading candidate for the Indianapolis Colts' head coaching position. And if he takes it, then all of a sudden there's a possibility Nick Sirianni could promote Brian Johnson from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. And when you're an offensive coordinator in the National Football League, you don't have to worry about the headaches of NIL. You don't have to worry about the headaches of the transfer portal. You don't have to worry about the recruiting calendar. It's coaching ball. And if I'm a coach right now in the NFL, it better be one heck of an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coaching job at the collegiate level because there are so many more headaches with being a college coach right now. So I really love the Brian Johnson resume. I think he'd be a great fit, but it sure seems like he might be destined for a bigger opportunity in the National Football League. Another name kicked around is Byron Leftwich, the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. It intrigued me last night. I've backed off the intriguing label a tad bit today, doing a little more research. 43 years old, no college coaching experience, was a quarterback at Marshall. NFL quarterback from 03 to 12. Interim offensive coordinator with Arizona in 18. Offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay 2019 through 2022, helping Tampa Bay to win a Super Bowl title in 21 with Tom Brady. Hey, a plus Tom Brady liked working with him. Let's face it, if Brady didn't like him, didn't respect him, they would have gotten somebody else. But he was there. 17 points per game this year because the offensive line did not play well. The running game pretty much non-existent. So Leftwich was intriguing on last night's show on further review. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Moorhead, the Akron head coach, more known for being the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Is that someone Marcus Freeman might be interested in? Would he be interested in leaving being a head coach to go back to being an offensive coordinator? Now, he's the head coach at Akron right now. You come to Notre Dame, you improve your resume, and all of a sudden you might be able to acquire a better head coaching position just going from Akron to Notre Dame, and then maybe more possibilities pop up. So that's kind of the list we started with. And now a really good piece put together by John Bryce, who does a great job of reporting these type of storylines for footballscoop.com. We have used him as a resource on the program for years now and usually comes up with really good information. He's on the Notre Dame beat. He's got some really good sources. And John, via Football Scoop, just late this afternoon put out a story in which he outlines what he believes is happening right now in the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search. So here's the important paragraph that John Bryce 
put out on Football Scoop just a little bit ago. Per sources, the Fighting Irish's candidate pool at the collegiate level has seen the school vetting Utah's Andy Ludwig, Washington's Ryan Grubb, Toledo's Jason Candle, and Colorado's Sean Lewis. Bryce also reports at least one other high-level Power 5 offensive coordinator is being vetted by Marcus Freeman. Now, I would say there's not like that big, big name for the average college football fan. These names may not mean much to a lot of the portion of the fan base that watches Notre Dame football but doesn't dig into everything that's happening in college football. Ludwig's an interesting guy. As soon as I read his name, doing a little research, he's been an offensive coordinator going all the way back to 1997 at Cal Poly Slow, but at the Division I level, got his first chance as an offensive coordinator at Fresno State in 1998, moved on to Oregon as offensive coordinator in 2002, became the OC at Utah in 05-08, then moved on to California as their offensive coordinator in 9 and 10. 2011, offensive coordinator at San Diego State. Big Ten fans might remember Andy from his days at Wisconsin, 2013-2014. Offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt from 15 to 18, returned to Utah as their offensive coordinator in 2019, and he still holds that position as of right now. Since he has returned to Utah, the Utah offense has gone over 450 yards of total offense in a game 16 times in 33 contests, also scoring 30 or more points in 24 of 33 games. Now, on the Utah website, they characterize Ludwig as a proponent of a balanced offensive attack and has coached a 1,000-yard rusher 17 times in his FBS career. In his three seasons back with the Utes, Utah has finished in the top three in the Pac-12 in passing efficiency twice, including ranking eighth nationally and atop the league In 2019, Utah has led the Pac-12 in rushing offense in two of the last three years, 19 and 21. The 3,035 rushing yards for Utah in 2021, second all-time at Utah, with the Utes setting the single-season record in rushing touchdowns with 37. So this is an extremely experienced head coach with over 20 years of coordinating and play calling experience. And of course, Utah was able to beat USC twice last year, including in the Pac-12 conference title game, something that Notre Dame could not do last season. In fact, surprisingly, Notre Dame could not run the ball effectively in that game against USC with Tommy Reese calling the plays for the Fighting Irish. So I wanted to point out Bryce's article and mention Andy Ludwig. That's a name definitely 
worth keeping in mind. Now, Washington's Ryan Grubb had a chance to go to Alabama, turned down the opportunity that opened the door for Tommy Reese to get offered the Alabama OC job, a job that he took. The article also mentions Toledo's Jason Candle, Colorado's Sean Lewis. That would be an interesting decision if Sean Lewis would leave Colorado because Colorado is trying to steal everything right now in college football with Deion Sanders as the head coach. Now, he was the head football coach at Kent State from 18 to 22. Now the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Would he spurn Dion to come to South Bend? Another name to keep in mind. Now, the one thing that Bryce's article at Football Scoop that came out about an hour ago points out, and this is worth noting, that Byron Leftwich's name was brought up by a media member who had ties to Tampa yesterday. And according to Bryce, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of traction between the Irish and Leftwich. In fact, Bryce says sources confirmed to him that preliminary talks between the Irish and Leftwich have minimal depth. And apparently Freeman is just taking his time throughout this entire process. He knows this is a crucial decision for not only this year's team, but the next few years. You've got an elite quarterback right now working out in your weight room and going to class at Notre Dame and Sam Hartman. You've got the opportunity to have a dynamic offense with Hartman in charge. The goal is to win a national championship. you got to bring in a guy that's going to bring championship-level traits. And I would say Tommy Reese was a winning offensive coordinator. I don't think in his young stages of an offensive coordinator, I would call him a championship offensive coordinator. But Nick Saban obviously believes he can win a championship with Reese at Alabama. But here in South Bend, with everything considered, you look at the numbers across the board, they're good but not spectacular. Maybe the next guy or gal can bring a higher level of offense to Notre Dame. And you might need a little better offense this year, waiting to see what that defensive line looks like for the Irish in 2023. So that's the latest on the Notre Dame coaching search with the help of John Bryce, who does a great job of covering these coaching searches for footballscoop.com. If you follow me on Twitter, at 960 Sportsbeat, I've retweeted that article, so if you'd like to read the entire piece, you are more than welcome to do so. 525 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Topic number two in our hat trick of opening topics is the Indianapolis Colts head coaching position a good job? You got to start at the top with owner Jim Ursay. I would call him a bit of a wild card can be very emotional can make an emotional decision for example now he fired Frank Reich as head coach halfway through this season and he brought Jeff Saturday from a TV analyst position into a head coaching position for the first time 
at the collegiate or NFL level, Saturday was in charge of that level of a football team. Won their first game, lost their next seven. Maybe it's a good thing they lost their next seven because they're picking fourth in the NFL draft in late April. So with a guy like Ursay, you never know what you're going to get, can make emotional decisions. But the guy wants to win desperately. He wants to validate his status among the best owners in the NFL. One championship is good to put you on another level. Here's the good news. This makes the head coaching job for the Colts a little better than maybe you would expect. The division they're in. It is consistently the weakest division in the National Football League. The AFC South features the Colts along with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, and the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans just got a new head coach. They're going to be drafting what they hope is their franchise quarterback, trying to get that franchise back going. Tennessee seems to be on the backward slide. I mean, they had the division in their back pocket this year and fell apart down the stretch. Derrick Henry, who has been their horse for so long, running the football, being the face of this football team, coming to the back end of his career. You still have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, serviceable but not great. Jacksonville is the team on the rise. They're the team to beat right now in the division with Trevor Lawrence. They made the playoffs, winning the division. Beat the Chargers in a great comeback in the wild card round. And then came up short in Kansas City, losing to the AFC champion Chiefs. So Jacksonville's on the rise. But that is a division where if you're pretty good, you've got an awfully good chance of winning the division. Now, the coaching search continues for Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts. They've gone through two sets of interviews. Apparently, Ursay set in on the second set of interviews. And just about 30 minutes ago, Ursay put out this statement on Twitter. We said as an organization, the coaching search would be an open-minded and thorough process. And the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans. Colts Nation, final decision coming in days, not hours. So they are being very deliberate in this entire process. Now, what that could also mean is that the Colts are waiting on the completion of Super Bowl 57 because they have interviewed 37-year-old Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. He's the guy that if he leaves for the Colts, might open the door for Brian Johnson to move from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator with Philadelphia. So Steichen could be the reason why Ursay is saying final decision coming in days, not hours. If Steichen is your guy, you have to wait until Super Bowl 57 is completed to hire him as your head football coach. Not the same thing, but similar to what Marcus Freeman had to do last year as the new Notre Dame head football coach. He wanted Al Golden. 
But he was the Cincinnati Bengals linebacker coach, and they went on a stunning run through the AFC playoffs, making it to Super Bowl 56. Day after the Super Bowl, Golden was getting set to come to South Bend and became Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. So maybe that's why Ursay made the statement, final decision coming in days, not hours. Now maybe it means they haven't made a decision, but there's a good chance Steichen could be part of that statement. So is it a good job? Yeah, I still think it's a pretty good job in the National Football League. The division they're in helps. They just got to get the quarterback position right. They have been stuck in neutral, and then, well, they went reverse this year with a horrid 2023 season. So despite the owner being emotional, franchise has been pretty good through the years, including the Peyton Manning era. I think it's a good job, and maybe Shane Steichen will get that opportunity to bring the Colts back. And our third and final Hat trick of topics to start this program on this Wednesday is the battle for the Big Ten's second place spot tonight down in Bloomington. Number 24, Rutgers at number 18, Indiana. It's an early start. One hour from now, 6.30 tip down in Bloomington. It is a massive game atop the Big Ten standings. You've got Purdue at 11-2 in control of First place right now in the Big Ten. Rutgers is in second place at 8-4, and and then you have a glob of teams. I mean, a pile of slime from Nickelodeon, just kind of all jammed together. Six teams are tied for third place in the Big Ten. Iowa, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana. They're all 7-5, so for Rutgers... They want to stay out of that mess. They want to stay above the mess. With the win, they would do that. But if they lose, they fall into that big mud pit with those other teams. It would be Indiana and Rutgers tied for second at 8-5. And And then the five other teams that are 7-5 would have a chance to climb up and join Rutgers and Indiana in second place. These two have history, but... It was a long time ago. A lot has changed. December 3rd in Piscataway. Rutgers, 63. Indiana, 48. Trace Jackson Davis, who is putting up some massive numbers the last month. Probably will be runner-up to Zach Eady for Player of the Year in the Big Ten. TJD, 13-10 against Rutgers in 35 minutes of action. Miller Kopp had the big game for IU back on December 3rd. He scored 21 of the 48 Indiana points. He had 21 points on 5 of 9 shooting from the three-point line. It doesn't feel like Kopp has had 21 points since. Caleb McConnell led Rutgers with 14 points. He's a 6-7 forward, one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. Had a really good offensive night against IU on December 3rd. In that game, neither side shot the ball well. Rutgers 36% from the field, 6 of 21 from 3. Indiana 30% shooting from the field, 6 of 25 from the trifecta world. Now, Indiana has won 6 of 7, including this weekend's 79-74 win over number 1 Purdue. 
Trace Jackson Davis, his last five games, he scored 117 points. That averages to 23 points a ball game. He's had 73 rebounds in the last five games. That comes out to 14.6 rebounds a contest. Again, if it was not for Edie at Purdue, there's your player of the year in the Big Ten. So a great matchup tonight. Indiana, can they avoid the dreaded letdown? You beat your arch rival on your home floor where the fans rush the floor. You beat number one Purdue. Now can you relock in and get set to take on a really good Rutgers basketball team? We'll find out tonight. Indiana favored by four and a half over the Scarlet Knights in this matchup at the old Assembly Hall. And that's our hat trick of topics today. The Notre Dame offensive coordinator search is the Colts head coaching position. A good job and the battle for second place in the Big Ten tonight in Bloomington. 25 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. We'll have our Twitter question of the day coming up next. And then the State of the Union of Local Sports is on the way from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five forty at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program. Twitter question of the day is always available on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And yesterday, I asked you this question. As a Notre Dame fan of these choices, which is the number one requirement for the new Fighting Irish offensive coordinator? Here were your choices. Number one, an NFL and a college background. Number two, an offensive coordinator that would emphasize running the football. Choice number three, at least five years as a play caller. And the fourth choice, a great recruiter. Here are the results. Fourth place in the voting, a distant fourth. The number one requirement for the new Notre Dame offensive coordinator, only 1.1% said emphasize the run game. I don't think that means people want this to become an air raid offense where they're throwing it 60 times a game. I just think people have something else in mind that is the number one requirement of the new offensive coordinator. So I'm sure a majority of people run the football effectively but number one requirement emphasize the running game got 1.1 percent of the vote third place in the voting the number one requirement for the new irish offensive coordinator a hybrid individual with an nfl and a college background tell you what today's nfl the offensive structure looking more like college football every day so I like the idea of a a hybrid coach 
mixture of experience between the two levels. The college background is important when it comes to recruiting. So 21.1% like the offensive coordinator to have some NFL and college experience. Second in the voting for the number one requirement of the new Irish offensive coordinator, 30% went with five years as a play caller. So I don't know if that means many people said we like Tommy Reese, but his first opportunity to call plays was at Notre Dame. We want someone with experience that has gone through some of the early speed bumps as an offensive coordinator and now is ready to take on such a task at Notre Dame trying to get this team back to the playoff and in position to win a championship. So 30% say the number one requirement for the new Irish offensive coordinator, five years as a play caller. Well, you like Andy Ludwig of Utah then, that's for sure. But winning the vote, the number one requirement of the new Irish offensive coordinator, 47.8% went with great recruiter. Got to admit, I'm surprised that was the result of the voting. I personally like an experienced play caller being my number one requirement because if you're picking great recruiter as number one, they could be a lousy play caller or average. That's not acceptable. Plus, Marcus Freeman is your head coach. And based on what we have witnessed the last year with Marcus in charge of this program, he's the lead recruiter for all these players. He is the guy that is front and center. And personally, I think Marcus Freeman can make anyone a very effective and really good recruiter. Just using one example, I think it is fair to say that Tommy Reese's ability to recruit the quarterback position improved significantly once Marcus Freeman took over as his boss compared to Brian Kelly. Now, C.J. Carr has not played a snap yet at Notre Dame. Sam Hartman hasn't played a snap yet at Notre Dame, but Hartman's going to be able to play at a high level, and Carr has all the traits to be a really good player here. So I think Marcus is the type of coach that can make people a whole lot better at recruiting. That's why I like five years as a play caller as my number one requirement, but winning the vote was great recruiter at 47.8%. All right, let's now go to today's question that was posted earlier this afternoon on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Today... This actually question's a little dated now since the football scoop article listing some college coaches that could be in line for the offensive coordinator position. But we'll go with what we started with earlier today. Of these three reported Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidates, who intrigues you the most? Byron Leftwich, the former Buccaneers offensive coordinator, won a Super Bowl with the Bucs. Joe Moorhead, the former Oregon offensive coordinator, now the head coach at Akron. Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator, who had a great run as the offensive coordinator at Florida 
and Utah. So who intrigues you the most of those three? Leftwich, Moorhead, Johnson. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Our program tonight is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. It's State of the Union night, so I'll bring you the State of the Union for local sports teams coming up next as Sportsbeat continues, 547 at WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20. your host, Darren Pritchett. All right, 552 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to our program presented by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Fighting Irish basketball at Georgia Tech tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 pregame. Right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, later tonight, President Joe Biden will... Address the nation. It is State of the Union night. So I thought it was fitting if we didn't do a little reset of some of the teams that you root for in our particular area with our State of the Union of local sports. So away we go. We'll start with Notre Dame football. Notre Dame football, I'm going to call on you to be a little better this year. You took a step back in 2022. You had a record of 9-4 and four after five straight years of winning double-digit games. And oh, by the way, six of the last seven years coming into last year, they'd enjoyed winning double-digit games, but didn't work out last year. Now the Irish have lost offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, but the good news is Marcus Freeman... Gets to bring in his guy as offensive coordinator. And that new coordinator gets to work with arguably the best player coming out of the transfer portal in Sam Hartman. I mean, there's a great start to next year with a quarterback like that. And to be honest, we might need a little bit more out of you from an offensive standpoint next year. A few more points because I think there might be more questions about the Irish defensive line compared to any other spot on the football roster going into spring. So maybe a few more points from the Irish football team. I expect to return to the norm of double-digit wins, major bowl game, or maybe sneak into the college football playoffs. Next up in our State of the Union of Local Sports, the Chicago Bears. 
Well, Chicago, I've got my eyes on you because I'm not sure you can be trusted. I'm not talking about elections in Chicago. I'm talking about the football team. You fall into the NFL basement holding the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You've got Justin Fields going into his third year as a starting quarterback. Is he your guy? Is he a championship caliber quarterback? Can he get to that level? You've got to make this decision, and it's vital in order for Bears fans to be able to stick out their chest again, saying, we are the monsters of the midway, and take down the Green Bay Packers. But you got to get this right. You don't get the number one pick very often, or hopefully you don't for a good amount of time. Figure out who your quarterback is, and then start building that defense back. Because you know what? The NFC North is wide open, I think, going into next year. Now our State of the Union of local sports turns to the Indianapolis Colts. Colts country, I think, has lost a little faith in you, Colts. And it starts with Jim Ursay bringing Jeff Saturday off the TV set to be the interim head coach last year. And during the cycle of looking for a new head coach, Saturday is still heavily involved. You don't want to lose the confidence of your fans, Mr. Ursay. This organization has been lost since Andrew Luck retired. Find your quarterback. And oh, by the way, the Colts offensive line, you are the leaders in the NFL gross national product, but your play has been simply more gross than anything else. Figure it out and get that running game going once again because Jonathan Taylor is too good to be wasted like he was last year. Our state of the union of local sports now moves to basketball. Specifically, Notre Dame men's basketball. The Irish have fallen to the bottom of the ACC swamp. It's time to drain the swamp. And that's actually kind of happening all by itself as you have a host of players running out of eligibility. There's going to be a major roster turnover. And, of course, head coach Mike Bray is leaving the program. The big question is, can we keep J.J. Starling in this district playing for the Fighting Irish basketball team? We need to make Notre Dame basketball great again. There should be an expectation from the fan base and the athletic department for this team to be an NCAA tournament contender and making it most years with the hopes of making the Sweet 16. If you go beyond that, that is icing on the cake. But this was a frustrating down year. It's time to start fresh, and hopefully the Irish will come back stronger than ever in the very near future. Could take a couple of years with the roster turnover and losing recruits from this class, but hopefully Notre Dame basketball will return stronger than ever. My State of the Union turns to the pros for a moment. The Chicago Bulls, have you lost your way again? After four straight years of being under 500, the Bulls broke through last year with a record of 46 and 36. But what do we have right now? A team that's in ninth place in the Eastern Conference at 26 and 27, and they've had to go 7 and 3 in their last 10 just to get back to one game under 500. This franchise has a big decision to make. Is it time to break up the core or continue? 
to move forward. You got to have premier players to win in the NBA, and I'm not sure the Bulls have enough in that particular category. Now we move to the ice in our State of the Union of local sports. Notre Dame hockey, this has been a rare down year for you. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt because you have been so good for so long under head coach Jeff Jackson in his 18th season. But this season, you've let the fan base district down. They're so used to watching this team win a lot of games and go to the NCAA tournament. The Irish have an active streak of making it in six consecutive NCAA tournaments, but it may take winning the Big Ten tournament to get there this year because this team has not been able to score enough consistently. It's been a tough year from the get-go. The Irish had the number one recruiting class coming in this year. None of the three top players ended up coming here. They signed elsewhere. One of the players, Logan Cooley, went to Minnesota and became the number three overall pick in the NHL draft. That could have helped the offense. Coach Jackson, I think, is right now locked in once again to getting back to bringing in quality three- to four-year players, which has made this Notre Dame hockey program elite. You have done everything but win a national championship, and that still can be done with Jeff Jackson in charge of this organization. Our State of the Union now moves to the Chicago Blackhawks. Hawks, we need to talk. Obviously, you guys don't like nice things because you were the powerhouse franchise for a good number of years, winning those three Stanley Cup titles. Now, you're kind of the laughing stock of the NHL, a major market team that has accumulated a total of 34 points this year. That is tied for worst in the NHL with a horrid franchise, the Columbus Blue Jackets. To make matters worse, Hawks fans are going to have to endure two of their greatest players in franchise history being traded away. The trade market has not been kind to Chicago as Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane will be shipped off very soon for pieces that hopefully will restructure this organization. This needs to turn around quickly. That is an awesome fan base in Chicago. Hawks hockey became a cool thing again. You're on the clock. Got to get this right. No excuse for falling to this level. But kind of like the Irish basketball team, they're going to reset and try to come back stronger than ever. Two more teams to go in our State of the Union of local sports. We go to baseball. First up, the Chicago White Sox. Sox, listen up. No more excuses. We're done. Everybody complained about the manager. That was a big problem. He's gone. Tony La is gone. No more excuses. No more that this is a problem, that's a problem. Your window is wide open right now. It's time for you to play like the team you're capable of being, a team that should be winning the America League Central, at the very least, and competing for an America League crown. But you got to lock in. Young players, time to take off the training wheels. You're big boys now. You're ready. But you have to work hard. You have to hustle at all times. 
play to your potential. Because honestly, this might be the last chance for this core. Or it's probably going to have to be shaken up a little bit. And it already was a tad bit during the offseason with the leader of the clubhouse, Jose Abreu, leaving in free agency to become a member of the Houston Astros. So Sox players, enough is enough. It's time to get down to business and be who I think White Sox fans are expecting you to be. And last but not least in our State of the Union, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cubs, are you done now? Can we be serious now? Are we done? Are you done not putting a product on the field that resembles a major market team? This needs to stop. You should be the bullies of the NL Central with all the money you have. You should squash these little towns in the NL Central. Instead, you don't act like bullies. You act like Vinny Barbarino. Now, there's some interesting young pieces coming in your organization. Cub fans should be very excited about that. But you know what? In 2023, this election in this division is up for grabs, and there is no reason why the Chicago Cubs should not be a contender to win the NL Central. I know on paper you look at the St. Louis Cardinals and they've got all these star players. They've got your catcher now. They look like the favorites. But their starting pitching could fall apart in a second. The Brewers are looming, but Chicago, I think your starting pitching might be close to St. Louis. Why not you? Why not believe that you could be the team to rise up? and surprise everybody and shock the world and win the National League Central. I guess the Cubs could cause, what, an insurrection in the NL Central because the authority team, the Cardinals, are not invincible. So go do it. And that is the state of the union of our local sports teams. It is 6.05. Sports Update is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Sixteen minutes after six o'clock on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Tuesday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for stopping by as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and via the Twitch app. Well, the Fighting Irish hockey team was in need of at least one victory last weekend at Michigan State. But unfortunately, Notre Dame came back to South Bend with a pair of losses and no points in the Big Ten standings, putting Notre Dame in a difficult spot in a couple of areas. Short term, Notre Dame is trying to acquire home ice for the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals, which is a best-of-three series. The regular season champion is going to be Minnesota. They'll get a bye and then the other matchup, seventh place, will be at second place. Sixth place will visit number three, and then five at four. Well, Notre Dame entered the weekend 
in fourth place in the Big Ten standings, but bringing home zero points, they got left. Michigan State was behind them. Of course, they picked up six points, beating the Irish three to nothing, and then three to two. So they leaped over the Fighting Irish and Michigan at home swept Wisconsin. So the Wolverines hopped over the Fighting Irish. So Notre Dame with four games left in their regular season. They are in sixth place, and a good number of teams ahead of them have two games in hand on the Fighting Irish. So it is very easy to sit here and say the odds of Irish hockey fans having a chance to see their team play at home again after this weekend is pretty slim. Not impossible, but it's an uphill battle. The Irish will host Ohio State this weekend, a top 10 program. The Irish and the Buckeyes split in Columbus earlier this year. So from that standpoint, Notre Dame put themselves in a more difficult position in the Big Ten tournament, a tournament they may have to win in order to advance their franchise, or I should say program record, of six consecutive NCAA tournaments. They're trying to make it seven. To be fair, the year COVID hit and everything got canceled, we were not going to make the tournament. That's why it is six active tournaments made consecutively by this Fighting Irish Hockey program. So they're probably going to have to win the Big Ten title by going on the road, and they're going to have to win four games on the road to claim that automatic berth to the NCAA tournament. And the loss also dropped them back in the pairwise a couple of spots. That computer ranking that helps to decide which teams make it as at-large teams into the field of 16 into the NCAA tournament. And unfortunately for the Irish on Friday, it just sort of unfortunately summed up the season. Some really good chances on Friday, but Notre Dame failed to score. Now partial credit goes to... Michigan State goaltender Dylan St. Cyr, who was a member of this Irish program from 2017 through 2021, never could grab a hold of the starting job full-time, played in 33 games in that time frame, went to Quinnipiac last year, and now is at Michigan State. And he was fantastic, stopping all 32 shots. One of his saves was a goalie mask save. So, Credit to St. Cyr, you know, a former Irish guy. Wish it was not against the Irish, but, you know, congratulations, Dylan. I'm sure that was a thrill to beat your old team the way you did on Friday. And the Irish gave up a power play goal on Friday in that 3-0 loss. And then they came back on Saturday, and they gave up two more power play goals. And Michigan State beat Notre Dame 3-2. The Irish did not lead for one second in those two games in East Lansing. The Irish were coming, were trying to come from behind all Saturday night. They were down one nothing, tied it up on a goal by Landon Slaggart. Down 2-1, to one, Chase Primo scored on the power play. He now has four goals in his last five games. He's coming on strong, the transfer from Omaha. But Michigan State would score another power play goal early in the third, and that would be the final score, 3-2. to two. So for Notre Dame, you look at stats, which is not everything. What it comes down to is, did you win or lose the game? But at the same time, stats can tell a part of the story. And this Notre Dame program, who has been elite for so many years now, just some very uncharacteristic team stats have popped up this year. There are 60 teams 
in Division I hockey. Notre Dame is 51st in goal scoring, just 2.37 goals per game. If you've heard Coach Jackson for years, he's talked about being over three goals per game and hopefully plus one in special teams. But Notre Dame, just a handful of teams worse right now in scoring goals than the Irish. Notre Dame's defense is okay, not to their standard, but still okay, tied for 27th at 2.73 goals per game. The lack of offense just puts a lot of pressure on the defense and goaltender Ryan Bischel to be extra good. I'm sure they don't look at it that way, but from the outside looking in, they've got to be really good to have a chance to win these games. The power play is a little below average, 35th in the country at 18.6, but it's been much better lately. And the penalty kill, which was number one in the country last year, is 56th out of 60 teams this year at 75.5%. So some very uncharacteristic numbers tied in to this Notre Dame hockey team. The offense would be better. They had the number one recruiting class in the country coming in this year. Unfortunately, the top three players changed their mind and went elsewhere, including the guy picked number three overall in the draft by Arizona, Logan Cooley, who ended up at Minnesota and scored a heck of a goal against us at the Compton a few weeks ago. Hey, there's no doubt you add quality offensive players to these lines, and all of a sudden some guys in the top six might drop down to the bottom six where they should be and maybe are going to be more productive, and you're going to get a little more offense, but that's not reality. On top of everything else, as the Irish are trying to gain points this weekend against a quality team, they are dealing with injuries. Now Jeff Jackson will meet the media tomorrow in a Zoom session. And Ryder Ralston did not play against Michigan State, as we've talked about on the program. The South Bend Tribune had quotes from Ryder after the game a couple of weeks ago at home that stated that he injured his shoulder, needs surgery out for the year. Notre Dame told me for the broadcast that it's an upper body injury and he is day-to-day. So we'll see if Jeff updates Ralston at all tomorrow. And at the end of the Michigan State game on Saturday, another one of our better offensive players and just a terrific player for four years, Trevor Janicki, took a very hard hit along the boards. And he was holding his right arm very awkwardly during the handshake line. He could not shake hands with the right hand. He was reaching across his body, handshaking with the left hand. That didn't look good. Uh, definitely an upper body injury and After seeing that, I would be shocked if he plays Friday. But you know what? Hockey players are a little different. They play through pain. But just hypothetically, worst case, without those two, boy, that's a big, big difference in what the Irish can do offensively without those two players on the ice. Taking on an Ohio State team that is one of the elite defensive teams in the country. They have been so difficult to score on for years. Ohio State 10th in the country and goals against average at just 2.39. So no doubt the Irish will have their hands full. Ohio State at Notre Dame. It'll be a 7.30 faceoff on Friday, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Let me say this. The fans have been awesome. The second half of hockey seasons, once football is over, the stands are full, standing room only. And I know the team really appreciates your support. It's been a fun year at the Compton. Just, unfortunately, not as many wins as we are accustomed to but a chance to go back at it again on Friday night against Ohio State as the Irish are 13 14 and 3 overall 
in the Big Ten. They have 26 points through 20 games. Let me just give you the standings. Minnesota's going to win the Big Ten, 43 points through 18 games. Ohio State and Michigan are battling for second. They have 30 points through 18 games. Penn State and Michigan State also have 30 points, but they have played two more games, which is very important. They've got 20 games completed. Then Notre Dame is four points behind those teams for second place. And Wisconsin, they are going to finish in last place. They have nine points through 18 games. So worst case, it looks like Notre Dame will finish sixth, which would be their lowest finish since joining the Big Ten Conference. But if you beat Ohio State this weekend, all of a sudden, scenarios change going to Michigan the following week. Fighting Irish hockey can be heard on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Looking forward to calling the game from the Compton Friday and Saturday. 6.26 is our time. The My Five is next on WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 6.33 at WSBT. Let's just do a quick reset from how we started tonight's program, the Notre Dame Offensive coordinator search continues. Marcus Freeman working the phone, setting up interviews as he attempts to replace Tommy Reese, who left for Alabama. Last week, he is the new offensive coordinator for the Crimson Tide, so a chance for Marcus Freeman to truly put his mark on the offensive side of the football by bringing in what he believes is the best coach that can help run the type of offense he is looking for here in South Bend. We've heard some names being kicked around. Tampa Bay offensive coordinator the last few years, Byron Leftwich, Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach. I think he's intriguing with his background as offensive coordinator at Florida and Utah doing some terrific things there, but he is probably a guy that's going to get the opportunity to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, if not next year, not too long after. Sean Steichen is in line to be the Colts head coach, possibly. He is the Eagles offensive coordinator, and if Sean gets that job, then who knows? Maybe Johnson is elevated to offensive coordinator of possibly the Super Bowl champion so those are some of the names that have been kicked around Joe Moorhead the former Oregon offensive coordinator now the head coach at Akron but John Bryce who does a terrific job every year getting some great information on coaching searches and he writes at football scoop and late this afternoon he put out this story which includes per sources the fighting Irish's candidate pool at the collegiate level has seen the school vetting Utah's Andy Ludwig, Washington's Ryan Grubb, Toledo's Jason Candle, Colorado's Sean Lewis, and at least one other high-level Power 5 offensive coordinator. Ludwig has been an offensive coordinator for two decades, ton of experience, great success in two tenures at Utah, including the last three years where they have put up massive offensive numbers. Washington's Ryan Grubb was interviewed by Nick Saban. He turned down the Alabama job. You got Toledo's Jason Kendall, 
Colorado's Sean Lewis was the Kent State head coach, moved on to Colorado to work for Deion Sanders as the Buffalo's offensive coordinator. His name apparently has popped up, according to John Bryce, in the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search. And who knows who the other high-level Power 5 offensive coordinator or coordinators are also on the list. And he seems to believe the NFL coaches being kicked around more than likely will end up in the National Football League still, including as I kind of laid out the situation with Brian Johnson. So football scoop, John Bryce, with that information, his insight on the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today, the top five wins from the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with Virginia Tech and Michigan. Tech moved to 4-8 and eight in the ACC with a win over their rival, number seven, Virginia, 74-68. They're trying to get back on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, the defending ACC champions. And they have a chance to get back near 500 in the ACC because coming up, they have BC at Notre Dame at Georgia Tech. Then it gets a little more difficult with Pittsburgh, Miami, and Duke. But then at Louisville and Florida State, you would have to imagine five of the eight games Virginia Tech will be favored. Then you've got Michigan starting to play a little better. 13-10 and 10 overall, 7-5 in the Big Ten. They beat Northwestern by 17 in Ohio State by eight. Big week coming up. They've got Nebraska at home, a game you got to win. And then Indiana comes to Ann Arbor on Sunday. Four. Top five wins of the weekend will go to Justin Rose, a three-shot victory at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the PGA Tour. The tournament wrapped up on Monday, and Rose shot a six-under par 66. It's his first win in three years, his 23rd worldwide victory, 11th on the PGA Tour. Just as important, the win's going to get him back into the top 50 of the world rankings, which gets you an invitation to the Masters. Rose finished last year a career low, 76th in the world rankings. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. The top five wins of the weekend. Number three, the entire ACC. When Syracuse head coach Jim Boeheim says he's probably returning as head coach next year. I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. Since 2004-2015, Syracuse has gone 19-9, 19-15, 23 and 14, 20 and 14, 18 and 14, 18 and 10, 16 and 17 in this year, 14 and 10, and within the ACC, Syracuse is 81 and 75. And oh, by the way, great work, Jim, accusing three ACC teams of buying teams. He has since apologized over his comments. Number two. Top five wins of the weekend. I think the Denver Broncos are right there getting Sean Payton, the best head coach available in this coaching cycle. As a Bronco fan, this is exactly what they needed, structure, discipline, things they have not had with their first-time head coaches recently. Great offensive mind, quarterback whisper, and boy, does Russell Wilson need a lot of whispering in his ear. 
What's concerning is this ownership group reportedly had him third in line. A couple other people were ahead of him. I hope that's not true because this was the slam dunk hire. And it's going to cost him about $18 million a year. But as bad as things have been since winning Super Bowl 50, not making the playoffs, being a lackluster franchise, Sean Payton will try to turn things around in Denver. Number one. And the best win of the weekend was Indiana taking down the Purdue Boilermakers 79-74. Just such an effective and impressive first half for Indiana, putting up those 50 points. They went to the break, leading 50-35. to I think we all knew the Boilermakers were going to come back. They did. Zach Eady, pretty much unstoppable. 15 out of 19 from the field put up his normal 30-plus, 15-plus type game. But down the stretch, Purdue faltered with a couple of costly turnovers that Indiana took advantage of, and the Hoosiers walked away with that five-point victory. So for Indiana, it threw them from the middle of the pack in the Big Ten to the upper echelon, as we've talked about on this show. A six-way tie for third place right now in the Big Ten Conference. They're taking on Rutgers right now in Bloomington. That game just got started. But from an NCAA tournament resume standpoint, not too many teams have the two victories that Indiana has this year over Purdue and at Xavier. Those are two benchmark victories for your NCAA tournament resume. So those are the top five wins of the weekend. 641 at WSBT. Aaron Rodgers is heading into the darkness. There's never a dull moment with Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packer quarterback. Today he was on the Pat McAfee show, a game that, or I'm sorry, a show that he is on quite often. And Rodgers says he's going to embark on a four-day, four-night darkness retreat after Super Bowl Sunday. He said, quote, I've got a pretty cool opportunity to do a little self-reflection in some isolation. And then after that, I feel like I'll be a lot closer to a final, final decision, end quote. Now, he's 39 years old, hasn't decided if he's going to play again this year. He's going to play again this year. You know why? Tom Brady. Tom Brady retired, and in five years, he'll go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We all know Aaron Rodgers has an unbelievable ego. Do you think he wants to go in with Tom Brady? He wants his own spotlight. He'll play at least one more year. But we'll see what he finds in the darkness. (laughs) Packer fans, I don't know how you deal with it. I guess when you have a great quarterback, you deal with it. All right, 643 is our time. Sports wagering conversation will wrap up the program. That comes your way next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. The 